take a moment to consider all the factors that impact your health. What comes to mind? Your diet, perhaps your lifestyle, like whether you exercise, drink, or smoke. Maybe you thought about your family history of diseases like cancer or diabetes. But health and well-being go beyond that. The field of public health is about thinking broader, thinking beyond the individual, about how our built environment affects us, how laws and policies impact us, and how the social forces influence our behavior and well-being. Each week, this podcast will discuss one topic from the wonderful world of public health to reveal these ubiquitous hidden forces and artifacts. One episode at a time, we will show how public health is all around us. Welcome to Everything is Public Health. Everything is Public Health. Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. My name is MJ. And I'm Cass. So we alluded to this episode so many times in the previous episode, which is voting and especially local elections. And we're finally here. So that's exciting. Yay. Yeah. And I mean, voting is such a big topic that there's no possible way that we can cover everything in one episode. So we're going to try to do this a little bit at a time. Today, we're just going to talk about the very, very specific topic of local elections. Well, when I say local, but local and state elections. So not nothing on the national level. Right. So not just the midterm elections when right. senators and sometimes governors, not just the presidential elections, but every other election when your state and local officials are elected. Yeah. So typically when people think about elections, they think about presidents, U.S. senators, maybe House of Representatives. And this episode is going to be about the other elections, everything else. Right. Those down ballot elections not the yes. not the top line sort of big name exciting elections but the ones that have probably even more impact on everyone's daily lives at the local level down ballot i just found out it means it literally means what it sounds like which is the stuff at the lower half of the ballot right <laughs> the the top is usually president and senators and then everything else is down ballot absolutely and a lot of people when they do vote they'll vote for those bigger sort of top ballot things but not everyone fills out those down ballot votes. Yeah. And then today we're going to talk about why that is important. And it's going to be still like a 10,000 feet view because it is such a big topic, but we'll try our best. So when we launched this podcast, do you remember we had a conversation, we discussed that a podcast about public health cannot be politically objective. And I think that's something we both agreed. Yep. That's true. I mean, it's it's hard to separate them. I mean, we'll try our best not to be too biased. We'll try our best to be you know scientific, but it's impossible for us to be politically objective. And you can kind of tell from our previous episodes that we <laughs> certainly have stances that we take. And I, I don't really have a good way of explaining this, but you know, public health is a inherently political thing. The way I think about the relationship between politics and public health is that who we elect to make rules impacts the types of public health programs that get funded, the types of public health policies that are put into place, and the public health strategies that people choose to follow. So even something near and maybe not dear to our hearts, but near and in our minds, you know, the mask mandates and social distancing requirements around COVID, there were differences in how quickly states issued orders for states of emergency. There were differences in how long mask mandates were put into place and social distancing requirements, stay-at-home orders, those kinds of things. And that is driven, those public health actions were driven by who was elected and who they appointed into important public health roles. And I think that's why like 
you know, when we talk about public health, because public health actions are oftentimes on large scales like that, it must come from some sort of political system. Therefore, it gets tangled up with politics. And well, and that's because, as you mentioned, public health is about population health. Yeah. It's not about an individual. And when you're trying to make change that impacts a broad group of people, you need to be leveraging policies, you need to be leveraging funding for programs, all of these things are interwoven. And it's it's very, very challenging to separate politics and public health. Yeah. And then I'm sure we can come up with many examples of how politics impact our health. So you brought up the mass mandate, you brought up the, the COVID stuff, that's a whole slew of political thing that impacts our health. But there are other things such as, you know, regulations on a certain chemical, Right. That's certainly a political thing that impacts our health. Uh, We talked about lead. That was a political thing. Like they did not ban lead until 70 or 80 years after Europe did. And that was a purely political issue. Like it wasn't that we don't know about it. It's just that our politics never caught up. Who we vote for drives permitting for new construction, where environmental hazards might be placed, you know, where manufacturing plants are placed, where landfills are placed. Like politics impacts so many aspects of our lives that it's just so tied to public health. Yeah. And then this brings up to why voting is such an important thing. So why is voting public health? Well, because like this is this is me. So this might be another one of MJ's hot takes, but we'll, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> MJ's hot takes. Um, public health is only meaningful if it's for the public and therefore for the population and for everyone in it. It is possible to achieve health for one group of people at the expense of another. And we actually see this pretty common. So let's say there's a certain neighborhood. I want to maximize the health of this neighborhood. It's very easily doable. You could just move all the bad stuff out, but that bad stuff has to go somewhere. So you could just literally say, okay, we want to focus on this neighborhood. We're going to make this neighborhood super healthy, but we don't care about the other neighborhoods surrounding it. But that is not in the spirit of public health. The public health is a spirit about everyone. And therefore, when we talk about voting, it's important because if not everyone is allowed to vote, you're essentially saying, okay, this group of people, they don't get to participate in the political process. And then we can do whatever we want to them. You're, you're making me think about the NIMBY movement, mm-hmm. not in my backyard. Yeah. Right. Which is people coming together and advocating against something being put in their neighborhood. They don't care where it goes as long as it's not their neighborhood and leveraging their political power and their collective efficacy to get it out of their neighborhood and put somewhere else. But when it gets put somewhere else, other people's lives and families and health are being impacted just like that first group would have been. But that's not what they're worried about. They're worried about just their own neighborhood and that sort of the idea of keeping everyone safe and everyone healthy is quintessential to public health and is really in contrast to don't put it here and I I don't care where you put it otherwise. Yeah. And then I think now imagine that, well, where are they going to put those negative things? Well, they're going to put it in places where those people may not have a lot of voting power. And today's topic is local elections. And the reason why I want to have a whole episode dedicated to this is because most people don't think about local elections. Like most people think about the president. Most people think about maybe they think about the senators and maybe they think about their house of representative. But most people don't think about state and local stuff. Right. And those down ballot elections. Yes, correct. Those down ballot elections. And this is, I don't want to say it's an issue, but an inherent feature of the U.S. government is thus. It is a federal government sitting on top and then we have the states underneath and then underneath the states even there's like counties and municipalities and cities. So if you imagine like a pyramid scheme. That's kind of what it looks like, where federal government is on top and we have states and we have cities and municipalities 
maybe a pyramid scheme is not the right. I was going to say pyramid scheme is a, a weird choice of words that implies. <laughs> it, it's, you know what? Take out money, the scheme part. Just, just imagine a pyramid. A triangle, even. A triangle, even. Yes, it's it's two dimensional. Imagine a triangle, <laughs> where federal government sits on the top, and we have the states, and we have cities underneath the states. And according to the Tenth Amendment, the powers not delegated to the United States by Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. This means. Anything that the federal government does not touch, it is completely up to the states, and sometimes up to the city. And I think one of the the goal of the Tenth Amendment was to provide some balance of power between states and the federal government. There was a lot of concern by the founding fathers that a strong central government would lead to oppression of the states and states' rights, and so the Tenth Amendment provided. States with more autonomy to do things for themselves that aren't explicitly named. So basically, they could do anything that isn't clearly claimed by the federal government or prohibited. Yeah, and the idea is that well, if we have everything up to the federal government, then it might not be flexible enough to adjust different policies to the states. And that was sort of their central idea: is like, well, people in the states know with the situation going on in that state, so that's why we want to delegate some powers to them. And on paper, that makes sense, but. When we think about things that impact your daily lives, the federal government gets a lot of news coverage. But the things that actually impact your daily life, chances are it's not the federal government. Chances are that's your state, or even smaller scale, that's your city that's doing that. And one point I want to make: I I didn't know this until like two years ago. U.S. senators and U.S. representatives that are from your states, they're not your state senators and state representative. Those are two completely separate group of people. I did not know this until two years ago. Don't okay. <laughs> I <laughs> I know. I'm it's- sorry. I'm sorry. I tried to not <laughs> laugh, but no. I mean, I I don't I don't want you to feel embarrassed. Like a lot of people don't know that, but well, it you know for particularly for younger people who might not have been as involved in politics and maybe even voting for the first time, they might not know that they have a whole nother group of people who are elected just to function at the state level. Yeah. So when you are voting for a U.S. senator or a U.S. representative, you are voting for people that's going to represent your state at the federal level. Right. So the stuff they're working on is federal stuff, like national stuff. If you're talking about like state laws, that's not them. They have nothing to do with your state laws. When you're talking about state law, you're talking about your state senator, which is or state representative or state representative. Totally different thing. A lot of people don't know that state senators are the actual ones that makes state laws that affects you living in that state. Yeah, we have way more state representatives and state senators、oh, than we do U.S. represent. Right? I mean, representing the interests of your state. Each state gets two U.S. senators, and then the number of U.S. representatives is based on the population, and they go up and they work at the federal level. But we have, depending on the size of the state, tens or hundreds of state senators and state representatives who are working at the state level, and it's they represent a much smaller group of constituents, and so they need. To be much more responsive, because if you have five thousand constituents in your home district, you know if you if you hear from five of them, that's a lot. That's a lot of people reaching out to you. <laughs> that's on true, right? So when you're complaining about, you know, my my tax rate for my state gone up, like I'm not going to vote for AOC anymore, right? She has nothing to do with New York state law. She is in the U.S. House of Representatives. She is working on federal stuff right now. So. Maybe this is the bad moral of the story, but you know, direct your anger to the right person. I guess. <laughs> I would, I maybe, perhaps a, 
slightly different way to say that would be, it's important to know who at which level is impacting you. So if you if you have an issue with federal taxes or federal bill or regulation, whatever, then you talk to your U.S. representatives and U.S. senators. But if there's something happening in your state or even in your county or your city, like we haven't talked about city council yet. No, this is just state level. And like your mayor, right? Like we've only been thinking about the state level, but it goes all the way down to the city level. Yeah. And I, and I think so much of the media focus on senators, U.S. senators and U.S. representatives that state senators and state representatives kind of just go under the radar. But they are the ones that's actually making the state laws that impact your state and impact where you live. That's just a state level. And then even below that, we have like municipalities positions. So city mayor, we have city executives. Uh, I, I believe there's, is there such thing as city legislations? Usually it's city council, usually. So city councils will usually write ordinances. Yeah, they're not laws. I, At the I think, city level, it's usually called an ordinance. They're called ordinances. Yeah, they're not laws, but I think they, they function as laws, essentially. They function like laws. They're just because it's a lower level of a jurisdiction, it's called an ordinance or sometimes they're orders. It depends on the place. So what positions are elected by local elections? So these are the elections and these are the votes that are down ballot that perhaps you don't think about. So governor elected within the state, state senate, state house, other state executives, uh, special state legislative people. So they, but these are people that are, they participate in the state legislative process, but they're not necessarily a state senator or a state house. So maybe some sort of committee chair or some sort of board, something like that. State Supreme Court also sometimes elected depending on the state by local elections. Yeah. Or, and other kinds of judges too, not just Supreme Court. Some judges are appointed depending on what state you're in. So some judges are appointed, some judges are elected. District attorneys are a lot of times elected and they really set the pace on what they focus on. So if you have a district attorney who comes in and say, I hate marijuana and I'm going to focus my entire time in this district attorney office cracking down on low-level weed crimes, they get to decide pretty much how that district's criminal justice system goes. Of course, you have your school boards. So how much budget your school gets, like what sort of policies your school wants to follow. So a lot of sex ed stuff is determined at the school board level. And uh, municipal government, so your mayor, your city council. And sheriffs, too. Sheriffs, yeah. Going back to the criminal justice system, sheriffs can be elected. Mayors are usually the one who appoints the chief of police or the police commissioner. Yeah, they appoint chief of police. They set the budget. So if the mayor can be like, I'm increasing the police budget by 200%. Well, they would have to have approval of city council, That's true. but yes, they could propose. But yeah, they could do that. And then city council, if the mayor has a city council on their team, then that's the whole other ball game. And then also a ton of ballot measures. So these are the things that you vote on directly. So do we want to increase tax for this to build this, right? That is a very common ballot measure that you might see. So you see that so many things the president has nothing to do with, your U.S. senators and U.S. House of Representatives has nothing to do with, like your life is pretty much all these local people and all these state level people that's determining what happens. And thinking about the power of lobby groups, there are a lot of groups functioning at the federal level, a lot of money, yes, but there's a, a lot of groups. And so it can be hard for one group to lobby very strongly to get its way because you've got a really, really diverse group of folks. If you go down to the state or local level, sometimes just Helping one or two people get elected can dramatically change the way people function in the state government and the rules that get passed or the way budgets are allocated. State politics, state level 
politics are so important and they just really don't get enough attention. Enough attention, yeah. Like, for example, these are things that your local government can do that impacts your health directly. So they could set the budget so they could be like, you know what? I don't believe in public transportation. I'm going to cut public transportation's budget by X number of percent. And all of a sudden, there's not a lot of buses. And for a lot of people, buses are how they get around the city. That's how they go to work. That's how they get groceries sometimes, right? Healthcare. Healthcare too. Yeah. How do they get to the hospital? They could do that. All that stuff is within the local government's power. And they can do that if they have enough people on their side. They could do that with relatively little resistance, almost on a whim, almost, almost. Yeah. There's a lot of power at the state level, focusing just at the state level for a moment. There's so much power that the governor and the state representatives and state senators have to make choices that impact our daily lives. If you want say, well, MJ and Cass, like I think these are very, you know, too high level. Like I, I want you to give me like a more direct example of how local government can impact your health. Okay. All right. Fine. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. I don't want to remind people that technically a pandemic happened and we're still in a pandemic, but Literally, it is up to your state sometimes whether the state has mask mandates or whether the state has any sort of you know vaccine resources. That's completely up to the state, sometimes even up to the local government. Like, we're going to have a mask mandate or we're not going to have a mask mandate. We're not going to have stay at home or we are going to have stay at home orders. Like, all those things are at the state and local level. And yes, that impacts your health as directly as we can get. Absolutely. And just to build off of that example, there were some states who lifted their mask mandate just across the board. Boom, no masks. There are other states that said at the state level, we're going to lift the mandate, but local jurisdictions are still allowed to put them in place if they want. So in Maryland, for example, Governor Hogan had lifted the mask mandate, but said, you know, if counties or cities still feel like they have a high burden of COVID-19, they can keep them in place. So Baltimore City had its mask mandate in place longer than other jurisdictions in the state because they had a higher burden of cases. So it it can be, hey, everyone do this, or here's a little bit of flexibility. It's just so, so much decision power at the state and local level. Yeah, I mean, I know this is all like a 10,000 foot view of like just how much power lies in your local government and your state government. But, you know, maybe you're thinking, I know COVID is like a good example. I need an even stronger example of like how much local government can impact your life. Okay. Let's focus on the government. Just how much can a state governor do? Okay, let's turn our lens to Florida and their government, Ron DeSantis. Oh, Florida. Oh, Florida. Oh, man. Uh, if this state doesn't exist, I, I don't know how this part is going to go because <laughs> that's, that state is full of hilariousness. Oh, okay. poor Florida. So, poor Florida, yeah. Pick on Florida. <laughs> there are a lot of really great people who live in Florida. I'm, I'm sure there are, but that state has provided us plenty of hilarious headlines. <laughs> Um, from from time to time. That is true, um, especially in the context of public health. Yes. So Ron DeSantis, uh, I don't care if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. DeSantis. Okay, fine. Ron DeSantis. He won by 32,463 votes, popular votes. So obviously there's issues with district, but for the sake of simplicity, we're going to talk about popular votes. So he won by roughly 32,000 popular votes. You're like, oh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of people. That's Florida has a really big population, though. Yeah, so the population of Florida is 21.48 million, right? So Ron won with essentially less than a fifth of a percent, and then he became governor. So when we're talking about why voting matters is because sometimes people win by these relatively narrow margins, and then they get put in positions of power. But I'm sure that 
the DeSantis Ron, yes. crew sold it as they won by a much larger percent because I'm sure that 21.48 million Floridians did not vote, right? They're kids, so not all of them can vote, but I'm sure that a much smaller proportion of the population voted, which is why it's so important to vote, because if you only won by 32,000 votes, imagine if- It's less than a percent. 1% of Florida's population had gone out and voted. Yeah. So obviously not everyone voted for the governor elections, but I can't stress enough like how narrow of a margin 32,000 is. That's if 2% of Floridians went out and vote, or if maybe even just 1% more of Floridians went out and vote, they could have swung this election the other way. And if you're not familiar with Florida and what Ron did in his time as governor, this is how much power the governor has. So first of all, he was on the forefront of like no mass mandates. He was on the forefront of like COVID is not going to be a huge issue. And obviously after that, COVID places blew up in Florida and he is pro privatization of public schools. He recently, and I and I still can't believe this is like an actual story and not like an Onion article. He passed this thing called like, I don't know, he, he's mandating the university professors and students submit their political beliefs or something. Did you see that one? I did see that. That is sound like an Onion article, but it's not. That's like a real thing that he's, he did. Like, I, I don't know if it was a bill or an executive order. If you don't think this is a huge deal, it, it's a very 1984-esque yeah. type of things. He's also behind a lot of voter suppression stuff. He just signed an anti-mob, anti-riot Stand Your Ground Act that essentially is incredibly problematic for many reasons, but I won't get into that here. Yeah, so those are the things that Ron can do because he was elected to the governor position by a relatively narrow margin. And this is why voting in your state and local elections are so important because you never know your vote matters. Your vote does matter. And you know you've been talking about the role of the governor, which the governor's important. They put out a budget that gets voted on. They sign bills into law or veto them. But state senators and state representatives also introduce legislation and vote on it. And so it's, you know, a lot of people think, okay, well, I'll vote for my governor and then be done there. But you really have to go down the ballot and vote for everyone because, right, we've been, you've been talking about the state, but the same thing happens at the city level. It's so important that we're educating ourselves on all of the elected positions and the roles that they have and ensuring that we're voting for people that represent things that are important to us and are, and have the same values, whatever those values are. I'm not telling like only one group of people should vote. Everybody should vote. No matter who you support, just educate yourself and vote. Right. Hopefully we have talked about enough of these to, to really hammer home the point that state and local elections really matter, especially on things that actually impacts your daily lives because you live in that state, because you live in that new municipalities. So in terms of solution, well, the very obvious one is go vote and vote in local elections, vote down the ballot, vote for, you know, U.S. senators, presidents, state senators, everything that the ballot presents you, please vote for them. And make sure you stay up on your voter registration yes. because there have been efforts at state and local levels to purge voter rolls and registries. So make sure you're staying active in your voter registration. That way you can vote when the time comes. Reject any attempts at voter suppression. So if you see anything that's directly related to reducing turnout, that is something that we don't want. And, you know, spread the word about voting. I think just telling your family members, telling your friends, like voting is a very important thing and not just vote blindly, but, you know, learn about who these people, what they stand for and what sort of things that you want to see in your community and definitely vote and spread the word about voting. 
I always take advantage of early voting for two reasons. One, um, in the past, I've served as an election judge to ensure that people had access to fair and free elections, which is so important. So that's something that people can volunteer to do. So you should check that out. Um, but also because the lines can get really busy on election day. And if I vote early, I can wear my sticker all week. I can tell everyone I voted. I can tweet about it. I can post Instagram stories, whatever. And I can tell other people, hey, make sure you vote. This is important. Again, not telling people who they should vote for. Like everyone should vote for the people who they support, who align with their values. But vote. Like everybody who is allowed to vote should vote. And in this country, everyone who is an adult and a U.S. citizen should be allowed to vote. Yes. And we will do a whole episode on whether they could actually vote, like physically, because, oh boy, (laughs) Um, (laughs) are there some barriers in place? But yeah, definitely vote. And hopefully we have hammered home the point that you should vote in local stuff, state stuff, and all the way down to ballot, because those things have much more impact on you and your health. At the end of the day, register and vote all the way down the ballot. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more and more people can learn about the wonderful, omnipresent essence of public health and voting down the ballot. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at EverythingIsPH or Instagram at EverythingIsPublicHealth. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Also, reach out if you think we miss an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Krafasi. And if you're interested in seeing some of my delicious gluten-free cupcakes, you can follow me on Instagram at CassPhD. Please also give us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us immensely. Don't forget to like, share, and comment as well. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link for that in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health. Go vote.